We are in a, we are starting a new series this evening. Uh, this will carry on through, uh, through this month and also into August. Uh, so this will have some good, uh, good time getting into God's word. Um, but um, want to talk to you guys tonight about living beyond ourselves. You know, this is something that we have on our t-shirts. This is something we have on our wristbands. And this was a theme. That's because this was a theme, I guess, that I felt God would give us back in January whenever we were at winter retreat. I, I felt God kind of leading us in this direction. And so we've slowly been building this into our culture um, on, on, on Wednesday, slowly building it into something that is a part of our youth culture, right? Uh, and so tonight we're gonna take an entire, or well, not tonight, but for the next several weeks, we're gonna take an entire series to like delve into this idea. <laughs> Am I talking with my hands? Delve into this idea of what it means to live beyond ourselves. <laughs> Alyssa. <laughs> um, so, sign language, you're welcome. Okay. So, uh, anyways, let's let's before we before we get started, let's let's pray just one more time. God, we we uh, we just ask that you would speak to us tonight once again. God, uh, the Bible talks about um, we live on every word that that comes from the mouth of God, and so God, we we know we need you to speak to us, and so um, God. We pray that your anointing would just fill this place. As we said, God, open up our ears. God, we want to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So uh, I think I've mentioned before that before I was a youth pastor here, I was a youth pastor at another church uh, for, for several years. Um, I was a volunteer youth pastor for a while, but I was a paid staff there at this church for a very, very short period of time. And one day, whenever I was uh, there in my office, I was working, I was getting some stuff ready for Sunday because I, I did youth ministry, but then uh, my wife and I, we also led the worship team. So I was, um, you know, like just singing songs in my office, you know how it is when you're like singing in the shower, you know, um, and, uh, you know, thinking through the set list for that coming Sunday and there were, a song came on. I, I tried for the life of me to remember what song it was, and I couldn't remember, but it was by Israel Houghton. Uh, I don't know if anybody is familiar with that artist. He's kind of like irrelevant now. Sorry, buddy. Um, he's irrelevant now. Um, but he like put out some like crazy good songs there for a while. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? By any? Israel Houghton? He's, anyway, okay, you can look him up. Uh, so, and so his, he like, why that's important is because this dude is like super skilled, okay? Um, like he, his, his ability to sing is through the roof and his range, like for a guy. You know, it's interesting. It's like guys that sing good for some reason, they sing like girls. I mean, I don't, like, why is that? Like, why does every good guy singer have to sing at the octave of like really high? I don't know, okay. Um, so uh, anyways, so I'm, you know, I'm like singing along with this guy, right? And then as I'm in this process of things, I have to go to the bathroom. So like, I get, I open the door and I'm like, I'm not singing. I'm like belting this, okay? And like, this guy's a good singer. I'm not, you know, I'm Josiah. I'm not so much a good singer, okay? I'm not like famous, okay? And, um, and so I'm like, I'm not just singing. I'm, as I walk out my door, I'm like belting this song, okay? I'm just like giving into Jesus. And um, yeah, as I come... No, I can't remember the song. That's what I'm saying. I can't remember the song. Otherwise, I would have done it. Um, and, uh, and so as I come around the corner, 
the freaking cleaning lady standing right there. Um, and, you know, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, like you have one of those moments where it's like you forget other people around. Has anybody ever done that before? Yeah. Um, you know, that's funny because people, you know, we have a tendency to forget sometimes that other people are around, right? And I don't mean just physically, uh, but also just kind of like mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually, people have a tendency to live through a me-centered frame of mind, right? Like they, they see things, not in terms of like other people, but like a me-centered frame of mind. Whenever we were coming back from youth camp, we were, I was sitting, yeah, <laughs> I was sitting on the bus and this, this dude drives by in this truck. Actually, we drove by the dude because the charter bus was going like 90 miles an hour. Um, and I mean, the whole bus, it was like shaky and I thought we were going to die. Okay. And, um, and so uh, we passed this guy and I was just, the thought across my mind, it's like, you know, we are background characters in like everyone else's life. Right, like, like we're, we're not at the forefront of other people's minds, right? At the forefront of our mind is, is me, like, right? Like we see through a me-centered lens. That's, that's people, right? That's why you don't have to teach kids to be selfish, right? They just are selfish. You have to teach them to share, right? People often see through a me-centered frame of mind, a me-centered lens in life. And just like uh, me belting extremely embarrassingly, uh, in the church, uh, just as that was painful, oftentimes uh, thinking through a me-centered frame of mind can result in some very like, painful experiences and outcomes. Sometimes we're on the, it's okay, it's just something up there. Um, uh, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> it's just air conditioning. Sometimes uh, we're on the receiving end of those experiences, of those outcomes, but, you know, due to somebody else just being me-centered, selfish, right? And other times we're on the giving end, right? We don't like to admit that, but other times we're on the giving end of a me-centered frame of mind. So there's probably several people in here tonight that have had the experience of parents getting divorced. Uh, you've felt that, and oftentimes divorce is, is simply just a result of one, one party or even both parties not being able to reconcile, not being able to compromise, right? It's like one or both parties is just stuck on me, on what I want, and that ends in, in divorce oftentimes. And so you've been on the receiving end of that me-centered frame of mind. Or maybe just in hanging out with your siblings, you felt the, the sting or the pain of feeling left out or maybe lonely because um, your sibling always seems to do what they want to do. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like they always want to do what they want to do and they're never concerned about what you want to do. Uh, so they have a, a me-centered frame of mind. And then, you know, other times we're on the, on the giving end of that, right? Like even tonight, new, new, the new students that are here with us tonight, if you're a guest with us tonight, oftentimes guests can be on the receiving end of a me-centered uh, frame of mind in, in not being welcomed well at youth. Why? Well, because uh, you or us, we're, we're stuck on our feelings, right? We're like, well, I'm not very good at talking to people or, oh, you know what, I'm nervous or I don't know what to say, right? It's what we feel, it trumps what's best for the other person, right? It's, it's a me-centered frame of mind. Or perhaps 
you've, um, you've felt the regret of in, in the middle of a heated arguments or something with your friends, you said some things that you never, never really meant, but you said them because your feelings got the best of you, right? So it's like thinking through a me-centered lens. And um, you know, the reason why this is the case is the reason why these me-centered experiences often end up being painful is because sin is often me-centered. A me-centered way of living, a me-centered frame of mind often results in painful experiences and outcomes because, yeah, I was like, what are they doing? Are they rustling over there? They were like, like looking for the pen in the most like crazy way. Um, it's often painful because sin is me-centered. Sin is me-centered. Look with me in your Bibles at Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three. Start reading in verse one here in just a second, but I wanna give you some context. So this is basically, you know, it's the creation accounts. Right before this, it's, it's talking about how the earth and how the universe was made. And then it talks about animals, plants, and then how God made people. And so uh, Adam and Eve for the first two people, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get my Bible to stick. I didn't think this was gonna be a problem. Um, and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my place. Um, and God, you know, God made God made people, God made Adam and Eve and put them in the garden. And Adam and Eve had a very unique relationship with God that nobody else on earth had the opportunity to. They got to literally live with God. The Bible says that God like walked and talked among them. And so this is an account of something that happened where God had given them an instruction to they could eat from any tree in this garden except the one tree that was in the middle. And so this is the account of, of that happening. So in verse one, it says, now the serpent, we understand this to be like Satan, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, has God really said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst or the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it or you'll die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the, in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So she is not supposed to eat, they're not supposed to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and she does it anyways. Why? Well, because this tree, this fruit was enticing. And so why was it so enticing? Well, because it appealed to a me centered desire that she had. So it looked good. It said that it was like, it looked pleasant to the eye, right? It's like, it's like ice cream or it's like stuffed crust pizza, right? It like looks good. But then on top of that, it met a desire that she had 
as an individual, right? It was something that met a desire from within her. She was thinking through a me-centered frame of mind. What's best for me? What's gonna benefit me the most? And not what's good for her and her husband, not what's, what's really God wants, but just thinking through this lens of me-centered uh, me uh, living And so the result of that was sin. And so really all sin works this way. It, it appeals to our fleshly, our human, our self nature. In, in James chapter one, verse 13 and 14, it says, and remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Temptation comes from our own desires. Temptation is often linked through to a me-centered frame of mind, right? Jealousy, jealousy, it's enticing because it appeals to our desires to want things, right? Lust, it, it appeals to pleasure in our minds, right? Greed, it appeals to the desire to want things and to have things, right? Sin, it appeals to our, to our self, to a me-centered focus in life. And so the danger in having a me-centered focus about life frame of mind is that we're setting ourselves up for frustration, for disappointments, for pain, and for separation from God and in people. And so what, what we've got to do is that we've got to make a, a mindset shift from a me-centered focus on living to one that's beyond ourselves, right? That's what we're, why we're getting where we're coming from in this series, beyond ourselves, to make a shift from, from a me-centered focus to a beyond ourselves focus, which is what God uh, designed for us how God designed for us to live. He never, he, it was never his intention for us to be inward focused, self-focused, but the Bible shows us how, how God's best, how God's will, how his desire is for us to live beyond ourselves. And so I'm gonna show you that in the word of God tonight. Turn with me to Philippians chapter two. Read verses three through nine. It says, let nothing be done through selfish, selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. One translation says, value others higher than yourself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, I don't know if your Bible separates those two thoughts, but those thoughts run together. So it, it says, we're to live this way, centered on others. This is the way Jesus lived. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Therefore, everybody say, therefore, therefore. God has highly exalted him 
and given him the name which is above every name. And I'll just stop, I'll stop reading right there. So, so we, we've already established and we can see it in this text, but it, it's that the human tendency is for us to, to be concerned about our own interest, right? As this was saying, to, to not think of only ourselves, right? That's human tendency. But God comes in and he says, it's in your best interest to, instead of focusing on yourself, to shift the lens that you see through, to, to make a shift in your mindset to other people, to, to have a beyond ourself mentality about us. Um, because if you become someone that puts others first and thinks of other people first, then you become someone that God can exalt. You see, this is what happened with Jesus. You see, Jesus, he, he literally, he came to earth. He, he was God in the flesh, but he came and he came not demanding, right? People to worship him and to bow down to him, but, but he came to serve, right? He, he came to love other people. Literally his existence on earth during the time that he was on earth was for other people. He, he was the epitome of living beyond ourselves. And it said, therefore, because he lived this way, because he took on the, the act of a servant, because he was humble, because he lived uh, beyond our himself mentality, it says that God exalted him. You see, when, when you elevate others, God elevates you. When you elevate others, God elevates you, right? It, we, sometimes we think, okay, the only way that I'm gonna be taken care of, the only way that I'm gonna be okay in life, the only way I'm gonna make it ahead in life is I just, is I just concern my, myself about me, myself, and I. But, but when we make it our business to say, you know what? Instead of having a me-centered take on life, instead of me being concerned about my feelings and what I want and my desires, it, whenever we say, you know what? I'm gonna live beyond myself, God, he makes it his business to exalt us. He makes it his business to bless us. He makes it his business to prosper us and elevate us. We don't have to be concerned about ourselves. If we concern ourselves with other people, God will make it his business to concern himself with us. Can you say amen? And so we need to make a, a mindset shift if we want to see God's best in life. We need to make a mindset shift from my feelings, what I want, right? Thinking through a lens about me to, okay, what, what, what does God have for me in life? What, what is my purpose? You know, how can, you know, how can I be, be of help to other people? How can I serve? We're gonna talk about things like influence and, and how to get over our feelings. We're gonna talk about some of these things, but what I wanna spend just a few minutes on tonight is a common hindrance in preventing people from making this shift. And what keeps people in a mode of only thinking about me. So I'm gonna focus on that for just a few more minutes tonight. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Read a few verses there. What prevents people from stepping into a beyond ourselves mentality. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up 
and tested him. That's, that's Jesus, tested Jesus saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? Basically the Bible, what is, what is your reading of it? What's your interpretation of it? And so the man answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? So you can see that uh, he knew the right thing to do. He just wasn't willing to, to do the right thing, uh, which is, that'll preach in itself. But in this passage of scripture, uh, he gives us two, two things. He says to love God and to basically, he says, love your neighbor, but he mean, means like love other people. Um, really, he's talking about a, a beyond ourselves mentality. And in other passages of the Bible, these, these are referred to as the two greatest commandments, like the, the two most important commandments. And so, so he says, number one, the first thing is to love God. Then number two, it's to love others. And so then the only thing that's left for number three is, okay, it's ourself, right? God first, then other people, and then me, right? So that's, that's the proper order of this. But it's interesting that, that it, it doesn't just say uh, to love God and then love others. It says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It says, it doesn't just say love God and then don't forget to love people. It says, and love others as you love yourself. So one understanding of this is, is just kind of like, okay, just as it's obvious that you would love yourself, you, you need to love other people. J just as like, of course, it's like human nature. Of course, you're gonna love yourself. You're gonna take care of yourself. In, in that way, just like, you need to love other people. That's one understanding of this uh, verse, but another understanding of this verse is that you would love other people like you love yourself. That it, it's a comparison. It's just as you love other people, you, you likewise, you need to love, just as you love yourself, you likewise need to love other people. That, that how you treat other people, how you love other people is often a reflection of how you treat and love yourself, right? Th th think of it like this. How many of you have, have ever had like a, a disappointing moment? Like you were frustrated in yourself. Maybe it's like you didn't perform very, very well, like a soccer game or a band concert, or maybe you didn't score as good on the test as like, as you, as you wanted to. And so you're, you're kind of like hard on yourself. You're down on yourself. And then you go home or you go see a friend and then you, you end up, uh, like tr like your friend or your mom, they get like the blunt end of how you feel. Have you ever like d done that before? Or maybe been on the receiving end, right? So r really what's happening there is, is your how you're treating them is a reflection of what's happening on the inside. And that's, that's what this scripture is saying, that how, how we treat others, how we love others, our, our love or lack thereof, is, a, is really a reflection of of how we feel about ourselves on the inside. And so the first thing, if, if we want to be someone that can live beyond ourselves, 
to, to really be devoted to like what God wants and what's best for others, then the first thing we have to do is that, is that we have to love ourselves. That we're, we're gonna have a really hard time loving other people, serving other people, giving other people, living beyond ourselves if, if deep inside the, there's like an absence of self-love. We, we, if we want to love other people, we have to first love ourselves. We have to get like a firm understanding and a firm grasp of God's love for us. Psalm chapter 139, 14, it says this, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I, I'll read it again. It says, Psalm 139, 14, I praise you. He's talking about God. I praise you, God. If we can get some music on. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So this is a psalmist. He's, he's talking about God's perception of him. And he says, wow, God, I thank you. I praise you that, that I'm wonderfully made. Fearfully means like in all, not like, oh my gosh, like, but in all. That God, like, that God has made us in like his wondered at us, stands in awe at us, that he's made us this beautiful creation. You know, get, get behind me, Satan. Um, you know, you, God loves you. You're, you're special, right? Like, like just, just listen, God, God loves you. You're special. God has a plan for you. You've got, if you want to love other people, you've got to get a firm grasp of God's love for you. Not in, in vain, sort of like, well, I'm just, I'm really gonna love myself. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're meaning it's, it's an understanding of God's love for you that you latch on to, that you say, okay, I'm valued. I have purpose. I belong. I have meaning in life. God says, I made you wonderfully. You're beautiful. So you have a, you have a place. You, you, you have a part to play in the body of Christ. God's placed wonderful giftings on the inside of you. You, you matter. You matter. And, and see, all, like all, all these me-centered things, right? Uh, jealousy and drama. Drama is me-centered. Drama is very me-centered. Gossip, talking about other people behind their backs. It's, it's me-centered. Um, lust, pornography, me-centered. Me Selfishness, me-centered. Me um, all of those things, they're really just symptoms of, of a lack of understanding of God's love for you, that you're special, that you're valued, that you're wanted. We've got, to, we've got to take time to get a firm understanding that we are loved, that God cares about us if we ever want to move on to be able to live beyond ourselves. What I wanna to do tonight is I wanna take just a few minutes, not, not, not a few minutes, several minutes to spend some time here at the altar. I'm gonna ask you, but really greatly encourage, demand everybody come forward. We're gonna spend some time at the altar and allow God to, to just bask, bask his love over us, to speak to us, to minister to us, uh, to, to get a, a firm grasp of God's love. Before we do that, I'm gonna read one, one more scripture for you. It's Ephesians chapter three. 
This is verse 18 and 19. It says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is, meaning for you. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So it says, may you have power to understand God's love. One translation, it says, may you grasp God's love. That's what that word understand, that's what it denotes. It means like a grasp, getting a grasp on God's love. If we're gonna live beyond ourselves, we've gotta get a grasp on God's love for us. But it goes on to say, okay, so we're like instructed to get a grasp on love, but then it goes on to say, it's just like how wide and how deep God's love is. It's like, okay, you, you actually can't understand that fully. You can't grasp that fully. And so think about this. How, how are you supposed to grasp something that's too big for you to grasp? Why, why are we instructed to grasp something that's too big to grasp? I um, recently, about a month ago, we had like a big storm come through and it knocked down several of our trees in our backyard. And one of the trees was, was pretty big. Uh, I knew it was big, it was pretty tall. Just looking at it, you'd be like, okay, man, that's, that's like a pretty, pretty big tree. And so me and my brother, we spent some time pulling out the manly chainsaws, ripping through the tree, you know, cut, cutting them in pieces. Um, but like, as we're doing that, we're like, man, this, this, is, a, this is a pretty big tree. And so then what I did was I went and I wrapped my arms around it Right? Like I tried to get a grasp on it and I, I like, it, it, was, it was big, right? It was like this, it was huge. And I was like, holy crap, this tree's massive, right? Like me, me like doing the act of trying to grasp it gave me like a fresh perspective and a fresh understanding of like, oh crap, God's love is huge or this tree is big. And God's love works the exact same way. Right, it's, it's, like, it's like, okay, we have a baseline understanding that God's love is like big, right? Especially if, if you've been a believer for a while, you're just like, yeah, 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 I know God loves me. I know God loves me. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, the tree's big. But it's like, no, if, if you would just take time, just like meditate on God's love, to, to try to like wrap your understanding in your mind and just like, man, why, why does God love me? I know I've shared this verse before, but the, the Bible says that who, who are people that God would be mindful of us? It's like, it's like this morning, you didn't wake up concerned about ants, right? They, they're so insignificant. They mean nothing to you, right? Like you're not concerned, oh my gosh, little Jimmy ant didn't get his food today. No, you're like, we don't care. They're insignificant. And that should be like us to God. We're so small, should be so insignificant, but yet the Bible says God cares for us, right? To, to take time to, to meditate, not just like, yeah, yeah, God loves me. No, th think about it. And then as you try to grasp God's love, it's like that, that fresh, bigger understanding. It's like, wow, God, God does love me. God does love me. And that frees you to not be concerned about yourself, about your own feelings, about whether or not you're gonna be taken care of. It frees you to love other people.